Nothing for the... What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Hi, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host. Christina Pajitsky, and I'm back at home. I was in um, Cincinnati this last weekend, just eating tons of food that's not good for me. Some chili, uh, waffles, two days in a row with bacon. That's a healthy breakfast, right? Just bacon and waffles, just a lot of sugar, and then uh, salty meat. And then I lay down. I go straight to nap, which is what you're supposed to do after terrible meals. Uh, hey, if you want to support my show, do me a flave. If you shop on Amazon, which I hope you do, because it really is like uh, the best way uh, to be as lazy as humanly possible and simultaneously as productive as possible. Uh, and I'm, I'm as long as you have like an ounce of patience, you can do almost anything on Amazon. And by that, I mean, hey, I, you know, I need notebooks because I write a lot in spiral notebooks. I could either a uh, get off my couch, go outside into the blinding sunshine of California, maybe, you know, put some shoes on and some sensible, you know, reasonable pants, which I don't really like to wear reasonable pants. Maybe I get out of my house and I go and I run into somebody at the CVS who I don't want to talk to. God, isn't that the worst? We are like, just not today. I'm not wearing any makeup. I look like a fucking animal. I look like I'm dying. And then it's always like, oh, hey, Christina, I remember you from uh, 10 years ago. Didn't you date my brother or whatever? And then, oh, God, don't don't do that. Just instead buy stuff from your house. And if you have like the patience to wait a day, because if you have Amazon Prime, that stuff gets shipped to you within like 24 hours. It's the best thing ever. The stuff just shows up at your front door. And the only person you have to avoid is your mailman, which I actually avoid mine because... He is something else. Uh, You ever read Bukowski's post office? I think that, I mean, I know Bukowski based that on him, but I think my guy's a little bit of that. A little bit of that. A little bit of antisocial, which I appreciate always. I encourage and appreciate antisocialness in any uh, government worker, any worker, really. But um, (laughs) it's so crazy. He likes to wear shorts. And, um, which I guess, you know, it's hot out in LA and, um, and he goes, I wear my shorts cause the ladies like the look of my legs. The ladies like the way my legs look. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> People are crazy, right? It's so crazy. It's so, it's so amazing. You know, my father used to say it all the time when I was young and I never believed it until now, but he would say, you know, Christica, everybody is on drugs, okay? See this guy in the car next to us? He's on fucking drugs. You see this woman here? She's fucking crazy because she's on drugs. Everybody's on drugs. And I think he's right. I think for sure a lot of people are on drugs. Maybe some prescribed psychotropic varieties. Um, 
But you know, how many people drink during the day? There's got to be, you know, hey, I've done it, right? But I'm a comic. I'm allowed to do that. They encourage that kind of behavior. But how many people, how many people do you know that just booze it up all day at their job or get high? They have to. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of crappy jobs out there. There's a lot of people that maybe don't feel a sense of purpose in their lives. Hey, speaking of topics today, and maybe they need to medicate to get through life. But let's be honest, everybody needs to medicate to get through life, don't they? How do you how do people not drink or do something horrible to themselves to get through life? How do you just white knuckle that shit? I never understood that. I admire those people who are like, I just, all I do is meditate and yoga and I I love running. I love to run. I just, (laughs) nothing makes me happier than a marathon or those endorphins that kick in. It sounds like my own personal nightmare is a marathon. (laughs) Oh my fucking Christ. Or what's worse is those triathlons where it's like multiple forms of torture. For yourself. I like a mental, emotional torture is what I'm trying to say. I prefer that kind of torture. Just I'm not good at physical torture. I'm such a weakling. I wouldn't I wouldn't last a minute in the military. That is for sure. God bless those people. But I bet those people in the military can tolerate the level of physical and uh, emotional anguish because they have a sense of purpose, a significant um, emotional, spiritual investment in their day-to-day activities that, you know, maybe they think holds a higher meaning. And so anyways, I got this wonderful email. I'm going to read it to you. And I thought it was a fantastic a question for today's episode. So here we go. This person writes, a possible show topic I was wondering about is the idea of purpose. I remember reading Albert Camus' Myth of Sisyphus in college, which my one of my personal faves, we've covered that book on the show. I just love that book. Anyways, enough about my opinions. Okay, I remember reading the Myth of Sisyphus in college and have thought a lot about it since I graduated over a decade ago. In a nutshell, Sisyphus was a character in Greek culture who was punished for eternity with the task of rolling a large boulder up a hill only to have it roll down again when he would finally get it to the top essentially making it so that he would never succeed in finishing that task. Isn't that what it feels like every day? (laughs) Yeah. Camus proposed that while it would seem that would be a horrible punishment, Sisyphus was actually happy because his life had a clear purpose and that purpose would be steadfast. I know the show talks a lot about practical application of ideas in our everyday lives, so I kind of a uh, kind of having been thinking about it, I you know, kind of haven't been thinking about it in terms of another book, The Purpose Driven Life, a very popular self-help book. If you haven't read it, it's very Jesus-y, Jesus-y. I love that adjective. Also, too much so, but I gleaned a lot of good stuff from it. This book purports that only God knows your true purpose and only by having a deep connected relationship with God can you learn yours. The question it kind of brings to mind is, can we ever know our purpose? Are humans capable of seeing the forest from the trees and knowing what their ultimate purpose is? And if so, is our current cultural climate enforcing any kind of idea or at least the exploration of the idea of finding purpose in struggle? 
Hmm. It's a lot of questions. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to tackle it. But first, I'm going to open on this clip from Rushmore, one of my favorite movies by Wes Anderson, one of his earlier ones. And see if you can remember the scene. Hey, it's Max Fisher. Oh, hi. Hey, Max, my mom just showed up. Is it okay if I leave early? Over. Sure, Charlie. What's the secret, Max? The secret? Yeah, well, you seem to have it pretty figured out. Secret, I don't know. I think you just got to find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. For me, it's going to rush more. Shotgun. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Danny. Hey, guys. In the back. I said shotgun. In the back, Donnie. Let's go. Did you invite that kid to your party? Max Fisher. Come on, Dad. There's going to be girls there. I'd rather die. Pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> That's a great scene. Dan, a- Dan Aykroyd. Bill Murray. Well, Dan Aykroyd, too. Bill Murray is probably one of the best comedic actors on the planet. I mean, he's got these two red-haired sons in Rushmore that are just complete douchebags. And uh, and he just made the wrong decision. He married the wrong person. He's got these douchebag sons. It's, it's, Rushmore is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, get your head out of your ass, man. You got to watch Rushmore. It's so good. <laughs> he chokes his sons. I love it. So why did I play that? Well, first of all, I love the character of Max Fisher. I think that... Of all of all the things, the roles that that actor's ever going to play, that was like the perfect one for him, Jason Schwartzman. Unfortunately, and I know he wants to grow up and be like a cool person or an adult, you know, like a cool adult. But he, in my mind, this Max Fisher character, that's it, bro. That was your one thing. You did that so f- well. Nothing's going to, nothing can be as good as you and Rushmore. You know, I feel like people have like one character in them. Like... Keanu Reeves was so good in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like that to me, that's that guy's role. There's no other role for Keanu. Canal. Uh, he was okay in The Matrix, but you know, come on. He's always going to be fucking, what is it, Bill? Bill or Ted? Ted Theodore Logan. Bill Pre- S. Preston Esquire. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the point is, oh, who else? Dak Shepard. That guy plays a great idiot. Uh, and Idiocracy. Have you ever seen that movie? God, if that one's really fucking funny. I think Idiocracy is like a documentary in the future. That thing's amazing. And um, Dak Shepard plays like the best dum-dum of everybody. That's that guy's wheelhouse. That's that's his purpose <laughs> is to play a dumb guy because he's so good at it. It's hard to play dumb, actually. And I've met Dak Shepard. He's a, he's a pretty bright guy. Anyways, purpose. Max Fisher has purpose and his purpose is Rushmore that's what he loves and in this movie he actually loses his purpose he loses um, his spot at Rushmore because his grades are deplorable even though he's like you know head of the beekeeper society the debate team he brings Latin back like he's he's just all involved in the school but he's a terrible student they kick him out he's forced to go to public school and you know how does he find a new sense of purpose outside of Rushmore is, is that's one of the many themes. Also, I think a lot about uh, class 
distinction too, which is a really neat theme in this movie. But that's not for today. So yeah, so that's the beginning of the discussion. Watch Rushmore about if you want to know about purpose. So I think I'm going to start with the um, the the last part. Can you hear my dog snoring? Let's see, let's see if you can hear. Of course, he's not doing it now. He's sleeping right under me. He's snoring. The last question. Okay, if so, is our current cultural climate enforcing any kind of idea, or at least the exploration of the idea of finding purpose in struggle? There it goes. Uh, I would say no. I think what you're asking is, does our culture? kind of uh encourage the idea of uh of meaning in struggle of finding one's purpose and i i don't think so i think our culture really privileges results we're result oriented we are uh extrovert oriented people you ever notice how like introversion is considered just not a great at least maybe actually no maybe now uh introverts are kind of winning in terms of uh, the technology boom and, and quote, nerds, nerd culture kind of prevailing right now, maybe. But, you know, mostly throughout history, the extroverts have got it. People that show um, results, you know, you got to check off the boxes to be acknowledged in our society. And, you know, you got to get married. You got to have kids. You got to own property. You have to have cars. You have to have the job. You have to have all that crap. And nobody really cares how you get there. And it, it for me, I mean, society feels, you know, more and more amoral as time progresses. And I know I sound like an 80 year old person saying that, but I really do feel a sense of uh, of amorality in our generation. The sort of like, well, why not? Why? What's wrong with doing it this way or that? Or why not? That it's always like answering the question with a question as opposed to being like, no, you know, there's crap that's just right and there's crap that's wrong. But that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, our society doesn't privilege the struggle. And and I think there's a lot of bullshit um, self-help talk out there. Uh, some of it great. The I love self-help. Hello. Look, I've read all this, this wackadoo stuff. But there's a lot of um, misinformation about about finding purpose, finding meaning. And it seems to be the idea that like, you just find what you love and go for it and the money will come. Well, not always. (laughs) Or maybe not always as fast as you think it will. Um, Maybe things, your idea of what you want isn't the same idea as, let's say in the word, what God wants. How do I mean that? I mean that sometimes you think you want one thing, but your purpose, rather, your unnatural unfold, your natural unfolding of inclinations, of talents, and what have you will point you in another direction. I wanted to be a lawyer at one point in my life. I thought I was really going to be a great lawyer because I had watched L.A. Law growing up, and I thought, wouldn't that be great to carry a briefcase and wear pantyhose and uh, have a nice car? And then I went to law school, and it was a, da- a disaster. Um, yeah, so let's back it up. Purpose. Now, purpose, the idea of purpose, porpoise in philosophy. Let me find what I pulled up here. Purpose is known in philosophy, a philolololosy. It's a fancy word from the Greeks known as telos, but what we say is the word 
teleology. Teleology. I know it's a horrifying word, but it just means the unfolding of one's purpose or uh, an account of a given thing's purpose. For instance, in um, Proofs for the Existence of God, there is something known as the teleological argument, which basically says that everything on earth or every being has a purpose. Every flower, every tree, every squirrel, every human, everything has such um, embedded purpose and meaning. It is inherently meaningful that how could it exist? How could it possibly exist without this grand architect known as God? How could how could God not exist? Because everything has such an amazing purpose and works in conjunction with other things in perfect harmony. And you know, I that argument isn't entirely um, kooky shoes because when you do look at nature, you're like, how in the fuck, how does it, how can it be that this flower is so beautiful and, and then the bee comes and then, you know, has sex with a flower and then carries the pollen to the other thing. And then I see the hummingbird come and then that happens and then the spreadings, the seeds and then more flowers germinate. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's uh, to me, nature, if you look at nature, it all kind of does work in a weird uh, harmonious thing, harmony, if you will. It's humans that kind of are out of sync with that whole process. But, um, you know, obviously the refutation of that argument, the teleological argument to prove God's existence, is that, uh, that there is no such thing as a design, the design of this. There is no sense of order Actually, you as a human are imposing your human logic, your human eyes onto nature. And that really, it's kind of more random and chaotic and, you know, things eat other things and things die and atrophy and none of it makes any sense and you're going to die. I think that's the French interpretation, isn't it? (laughs) So teleology, teleology, T-E-L-E-O-L-O-G-Y, what a word. So, for example, a tele... I'm looking at a Wikipedia, by the way. This is not fancy philosophy today. A, teleolo- a teleological explanation of why forks have prongs that is that this design helps humans eat certain foods. Stabbing food to help humans eat is what forks are for, a purpose that is imposed by a human use such as that of a fork is called extrinsic, meaning out the word extrinsic. See, that's just a fancy word for an external quality or property or an ex, a, a property that we put on something. Natural teleology, which is uh, kind of what I was talking about, contends that natural entities have intrinsic purposes irrespective of human use or opinion. For instance, Aristotle claimed that an acorn's intrinsic telos is to become a fully grown oak tree. That's interesting, isn't it? I love that idea. I, I, you know, I like the Greeks. I think they were our first scientists, right? This is pre-science. And and these guys really kind of had a lot of the right ideas. But yeah, an acorn's intrinsic telos is to become a fully grown oak tree. Now, what is the difference between us and the acorn? And I'm not sure very much because if you look at purpose, and I know I, I, we'll get to this woman's question or man, I don't know. Did I say woman? <laughs> oh, God, I put it router out. Um, 
how do you find it? And does only God know it? I think, I do think, you know, just from being alive, that there are some people that are just born and you're like, wow, that person just knows their purpose. It's so, it's so lucky. Like, I know it's, it's terribly corny, but if you, have you ever watched like Oprah's, uh, <laughs> the great philosopher Oprah, by the way, I think one of the greatest philosophers of our time on the own network, there's this great show about, what is it? The masterclass. And she has really famous people. She has everybody like actors, predominantly actors and entertainers. Cause that's who most people know and would want to watch, I guess. But Justin Timberlake talks about being a performer and a dancer and a singer from the time he like can remember. And that is frankly the most annoying shit on the planet because most of us, excuse me, most of us don't exist that way. Very few people I know are born kind of knowing what their purpose is in the world. And then they unfold into their own uh, oak tree. But how lucky that he was able to. I think for the rest of us, it's a messy, slimy, chaotic process of becoming oneself. You know, you're born a certain way. I do think you're born with certain genetic predispositions. And then, you know, nature, nurture, your childhood, I think you're born knowing what it is, and then I think adults kind of fuck that up for you, honestly. I think we have a very keen sense of who we are when we're four, five, when we're young, and then, you know, well-meaning adults say things, uh, or teachers. You know, for instance, in the last episode, I discussed the idea of this little girl liking spiders, and then you have some well-meaning adult go, no, 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 sweetie, little girls don't like spiders. And you don't know what that could do to that little kid. Maybe maybe she was going to grow up to be the spider expert that we've been waiting for, who can, you know, decode some crazy spider thing and save the world yeah, from cancer with her research on spiders. Who knows? Uh, so I think life becomes a process of uncovering one's purpose. If that's wooey, foofy, foofy enough. But here, okay, so let's re- let's read this again. Okay, can we ever know our purpose? That's the first part of this. And I say, yes, absolutely. You can know your purpose. I think it's hard. And I think you must be extremely brave. And I think you must be, you must be able to go against the good opinion of others, to quote Wayne Dyer, (laughs) my other, my other guru. You have to go against the good opinion of others. It's daunting. It's scary to figure out what your purpose is because it goes against the well-meaning intentions of your friends and family. Yeah, it takes a a lot of courage to go against what people want you to do. That's the the killer part of uh, finding purpose. And I I don't know why, but this idea led me to think about uh, Duncan Trussell's mom, for those of you who don't know who he is, Duncan Trussell has a great podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Uh, he's a brilliant comedian, brilliant guy. And um, he did this podcast where he interviewed his dying mother. Uh, and I mean dying. I mean in the, her final like hours, essentially, sat down with his mother and interviewed her about like everything, the process of dying and, and, you know, his childhood and all this. And 
I mean, if if there's an award somebody could win for like outstanding podcasting, it would be those episodes. Google it, Duncan Trussell and his mom. Really deep shit. I mean, I was crying the whole time, but um, mostly because I hate my mother. But no, I was crying because it was sad because she was such a, a an amazing woman. Obviously, so sensitive, so intuitive, so kind. Um, she, I believe, was a therapist herself, and so was really kind of attuned to those needs, psychological needs. I, I'm assuming in raising a child, which is why Duncan turned out to be so freaking cool um but i was thinking as listening to that wow imagine having a mom a parent who was so tuned in to uh to to getting it in general to encouraging any kind of weirdness in duncan i'm assuming rather than beating it out of him and i think a lot of us grow up with well-meaning parents who maybe just didn't get the memo <laughs> that you, you, you got to foster some weird shit in your kids. You can't just, you can't force people to be something else. And um, so with finding your purpose, uh, the key is self-awareness, I think. Okay. So she writes, this book reports that only God knows your true purpose and only having a deep connected relationship with God. Can you learn yours? Now that's, I, I sure I, if that works, absolutely. Is it only God who knows your true purpose? I don't know. I think, I think you know it too. And I, and I think if you're not a God person, and I, you know, I encourage. Uh, hello, whatever gets you there, gets you there. But I think the uh, the alternate to this is a life of conscious living. Right, the unexamined life is not worth living. And there's the idea that maybe if you are in tune with yourself, maybe if you meditate, if you spend some time uh, with grass, sitting on benches, looking at birds, and really connecting to who you are, you're going to find that purpose. So don't worry. God doesn't have a stronghold, doesn't have the, uh, the last say on everything. You can download it. I think you really can. If you if you really have the the courage and the stillness to do so, um, are humans capable of seeing the forest from the trees and knowing what their ultimate purpose is? Now, that's the hard part. <laughs> you can listen. You listen. That's I think part of it, right? You got to listen, and then the crucial part that I've seen people fail at numerous times, myself included is that when you get the message, when you've meditated, you've found that small, still voice, as they say, inside of you, which it's there, by the way. And I know you're thinking, but what if I don't know my purpose? What if it's not there? It's there. It's there. But like I said, it's buried. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're terrified of what that real purpose is. Maybe you've been, maybe you want to start a, a shop, a peanut butter and jelly store or whatever the heck, but you've been told that only uh, perverts have peanut butter and jelly stores your whole life. And so you don't do it. You're afraid. You're afraid of being a pervert. I mean, there's all kinds of unconscious, wacky reasons people don't act on their true purpose, but it's there. And I, I'm telling you that I really feel like it's the stuff that nags at you. It's like this acorn becoming an oak tree thing. It's that thing that nags at you constantly. It's that thing that 
no matter what you try to do to overcome it, to, uh, I don't know, to not be that thing, you're just gonna be that thing. Like, I mean, I remember I, I, when I was trying to become a comedian, I'll tell you, I have a list. I made a list for you guys. I made a list of jobs that I had because I was so afraid of taking the leap of faith and just becoming a comedian. I had so many jobs, which I think is also really key, by the way. If you have an inclination in something, go explore it. If you like books, go work at a bookstore, if those even exist anymore. (laughs) If you like pastries, you think you want to be a pastry chef, go, go work in a bakery. Do it. You got to take the action. But here's the thing too, back, back to this idea of the thing that comes back lurking in your mind. I had so many jobs and at the, at the night when, when, when I was off work, what did I do? I went to the the comedy club every night that I could. I watched other comics and I did open mics and I was obsessed with this thing at night, but I could never admit it to my family or to myself that that's what I wanted. So, you know, eventually it takes you over. It consumes you. Eventually that acorn's going to become an oak tree and there is nothing you can do about it. Eventually the need to become what you inherently are will take over. I really don't see any other way about it. Look at poor Bruce Jenner, for God's sakes. I don't know. I only caught um, like 10 minutes of that interview online. I was working that night, so I didn't get to see the, the interview, the whole thing. But but talk about the acorn becoming the oak tree. Shit, that guy was an oak tree. or I'm sorry, his acorn programming was a certain way from the time he was very, very little. He wanted to be a woman. And, it, you know, fast forward to how many marriages and children and winning um Olympic medals and this and that, it doesn't matter. Eventually, he is going to be who he's intended to be. Ain't shit you can do about that. Ain't shit you can do. Now, I know I'm talking about today's topic in terms of work because I think that's what this question addresses. And I'm not, I don't think work is everybody's purpose. I think some people make excellent mothers. You know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that's a huge purpose, man. That is probably one of the most important gigs (laughs) of all, isn't it? To raise human beings, to be good people. Jesus Christ. So anyways, there's this great article. Why every time I talk on this microphone, I feel like I have to vomit. Uh, 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 In Psychology Today, it's online, published June 9th, 2009. Um, It's called Meaningful Work. What makes work meaningful? And that's a huge theme in like social theory today is the idea of meaningful work. And I think that's something that really became introduced uh, fairly recently in our culture, right? The idea that like you should have a sense of purpose in what you do every day. But a lot of people aren't given that luxury. Many generations certainly were not. I know my parents weren't given that luxury of uh, of going, gee, am I, is this meaningful work? <laughs> I think my parents were just trying to get by, you know? But thank God for us, for this era, that we can actually take the time to ponder such questions. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So here's this great article, Psychology Today on Meaningful Work. It starts with this little ditty. Uh, Three men are found smashing boulders with iron hammers. When asked what they are doing, the first man says, breaking big rocks into little rocks. 
The second man says, feeding my family. The third man says, building a cathedral. See, get it already? All right. So today's column, this is what this says in Psychology Today, focuses on the third man, the one who saw each hammer blow as contributing to the construction of a cathedral, a home for human dreams and sacred aspirations. To many of us who study and consult in occupational organizational context, we would call what this third man does meaningful work. There are many perspectives on meaningful work ranging from Marxist ideas about work that resists the dehumanizing influences of the Industrial Revolution, I think that's my stance, to religious ideas about being called by a transcendent spirit to do good work in the world with everything in between. So this guy basically says uh, there's three central components to meaningful work. One, the work we do must make sense. God, ain't that the truth? We must know what's being asked of us and be able to identify the personal or organizational resources we need to do our job. Boy, isn't that the truth? I mean, haven't you worked places where you're like, I, I don't know, what do we, what do we, what the fuck are we doing here? Oh, my painting the roses red. I've had so many jobs where I felt like I was just painting the roses red. Like, what, what am I, why do I, why do I care about these widgets or this paperwork for what the fuck? And jobs like that, by the way, there's like no amount of money that can keep you doing that, right? Even though you can be thankful in the beginning to have that gig, but eventually you're like, there's just no point. I, ca I can't. <laughs> which leads me to the second point this guy makes. <laughs> second, the work we do must have a point. There you go. We must be able to see how the little tasks we engage in build brick by brick, if you will, into an important part of the purpose of our company. That's interesting. How the little tasks we engage in build in the important part of the purpose of our company. Hmm. There you go. And finally, the work that we do must benefit some greater good. We must be able to see our toil help others, whether that's saving the planet, saving a life, or making our coworkers' jobs easier so that they can go home and really be available for their families and friends. Huh. A growing body of evidence means, shows that meaningful workers are happy workers, committed workers, and in some tantalizing ways, better workers. Did he really just use the word tantalizing? I'm not sure that's an appropriate a sexy word for such a thing, isn't it? Tantalizing ways. Oh. <laughs> so there you have it. You got to see what what's the point. If the work's got to make sense. And lastly, it must have some kind of greater good, something that helps um, other people. And I've always found that to be the best part, right? Does it help other people? Which is really kind of interesting. Okay. So I hope, I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe those of you who are listening to this thinking, how the hell do I find my purpose? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to be. I'm telling you, you do. It's in there. It's in there. It's deep down. I'll give you a great story. Great example. Um, I have my stepsister, Cindy Aurora. It's A-R-O-R-A. -A. She um, forever wanted to, well, she has been a writer since forever i mean i we met when we were 13 years old my mother married her father and um i remember meeting her when we were little 13 year olds and she had kept journals of everything we did she was a writer she was always writing writing on scraps of little paper that i would find in the bathroom on you know matchbooks whatever writing 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 
And she worked for a newspaper after college. And then, you know, one, she was a journalist. She published so many articles in different magazines. But she goes, Christina, I have this weird obsession with cupcakes. I love pastries. I love cupcakes. I don't know. I don't know what to do with this cupcakes and writing. <laughs> and anyways, she wrote this book called Heartbreak Cake. Because she's like in love with writing with cupcakes. Oh, and with chick lit, chick literature. I know it sounds dirty, chick lit. Um, and she's like, but those are three silly things. And she combined the three of those things together and published a book, Heartbreak Cake. You can get it on Amazon, Kindle, Nook, little plug for my stepsister, help her out. <laughs> Which is really, really cool. Because sometimes the things you don't even think make sense kind of do over time. So, okay, I've also found, for those of you struggling with how to know when you found your purpose, I found this great interview, and this is so cheesy, and I can't believe I'm going to play it for you, but I am. I'm mortified. But look, I'm a secret Oprah worshiper. I love me some Oprah Winfrey. She's the goddess. And so here's a clip from Super Soul Sunday. <coughs> this is a woman named Carolyn Miss, I'm, I think, M-Y-S-S, on how to find your purpose, and it's just a cute little interview. I hope this helps. Hold on. Make sure my volume is up. I always play these clips with no volume. Okay, here you go, guys. Caroline Miss. How do you know when you are on the right path? You and what dream okay. belongs to you? Or what husband belongs to you? Or what job belongs to you? you? You know you're on the right path. Here's your clue. You're not... Be, you're not put in a position to betray yourself. You don't betray yourself anymore. You don't, you're not put in a position where you feel like um, you have to negotiate your sense of integrity, mm. which is an act of betrayal. Your heart, an act of betrayal. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you have to compromise who you are. Mm -hmm. It feels right. You can fully, I got that, it's like if you're at a job, you know you're really gifted and talented. People are not paying you for what you value yourself to be. You come into work every day feeling like, I'm, I'm really not valued. I'm not being respected for what I do. Or my boss is unkind or whatever the situation right. Right. might be. There's an unease right. with you. That's right. Yeah. And so when you have more respect for yourself, put yourself in a position where you can, you know, feel your sense of value or worth, right. that turns around. That's right. And that's how you know. You know. You know because you don't feel like this isn't costing me my power. This isn't costing me my psyche. This isn't costing me my soul. Okay, this is really good. This, this isn't is, costing me my good. sense of... I, I don't feel confused in some deep level. I'm not drained. I, I can be tired after a day's work, but I'm not psychically drained where I feel like I'm losing life. And losing myself. And losing That's myself. That's what a lot of people say, I'm losing myself. I'm losing myself. myself. Okay. Why? Because I'm, I'm betraying myself in some way. Oh, how is that, bros? Was that deep? Did that blow your mind a little bit? I think that's the essence of it, right? I mean, how many things have you done in your life where you're like, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel right at all, like at all, and then you do it, oh, and then you just hate yourself for it. Yeah, I know. 
So there's this great book I'm going to recommend for any of you who have, excuse me, no clue about their sense of purpose in the world. There is this great book called Gig, G-I-G, Gig. Americans talk about their jobs. This is a, a huge book. It's like as thick as the Bible. It's yellow and it's got a, the black writing on. Anyway, point is, it's got essays uh, from like every facet of the job world where people talk about what they do on a daily basis. And it's got everything from like Walmart greeters to undertakers to there's a comedian in there. There's uh, copywriters. There's, you know, janitors. There's garbage men. There's police women. There's firefighters, like nursing, every possible walk of occupation. And it'll give you like a better idea of what that entails, what those jobs entail. You know, and I got that when I graduated from college, when I was so lost. I mean, I, they, you know, they throw parties for you when you get married, when you have a baby, and, you know, when you retire, <laughs> when you turn 40 or 20 or whatever. They need to throw you a shower when you graduate from college. And everybody needs to get together and buy you furniture and give you a chunk of money and be like, here, now go off into the world. I know you have student loan debt. I know you have no idea what you're going to do with your life. <laughs> Here's a nice head start. Uh, I think most of us graduate panicked, totally unprepared for the world ahead of us. I did. Jesus Christ. I remember shopping for my graduation dress and just bawling, crying in the department store. And my friend was with me like, why are you crying? I cried because I knew that this was the end of a golden era. <laughs> I knew that I had been kicked out of the ivory tower that is academia and that you can't go back. You know, you can't go back. There's no going back once you're out in the real world. And it is a very different world than the, uh, the academic. So check out Gig if you're totally lost. There's also those other career type books like What Color Is Your Parachute?, Things like that that'll help you find what you like. Because I find that so many people, you know, rightly so, you don't even know what you like. I didn't know what I liked. I remember people asking me as a kid, what do you like? What do you want to be? I'm like, I don't know. I don't like anything. I like watching TV. Is that a job? Can I just sit here and think about stuff? <laughs> what about eating hot dogs? Is that a job? Because I didn't think that anything grown-ups were doing was that uh, amazing. I mean, at least the grown-ups in my world. Jeez, nobody seemed to like what they did for a living. But, you know, hey, a bunch of filthy Hungarians. There you go. So I've found uh, some of you might be thinking, yeah, I know what I like to do. I know what I want to do. I have purpose, Christina, but it's not that easy. I can't just wake up tomorrow and quit my day job and start this other thing that I want to do. And of course, you shouldn't do that. That's so that's so crazy. And I feel like people in the self-help movement will be like, just quit your job, put all your hopes in this one thing. You got to go balls deep. And you're like, I'm not sure that's really the sensible approach to life. I think that there's a time to do that. And that's when you've kind of feathered the nest a bit more. <laughs> You you leap when you know there's some hope of uh, some prospect of of successfully seeing through because you've you've done the groundwork. Um, 
So yeah, I put together a list of jobs that I had before I became a comedian just to give you an idea of uh, of the crazy crap that I did as I was figuring out who I was as a much younger person. Um, I, I really did take jobs at every place I thought I might have remote interest in like in being and doing. And I think that's huge. Like if you have any inclination to do something, go there, go see what those people are like. That's another thing I found. It's really a personality thing, you know, like, um, I, I worked as a paralegal for two law offices and i never really fit that profile. I wasn't really a personality type that fit with the other personalities there. Now at night I would go to the comedy clubs and those derelicts and animals were perfect personality fits. I just didn't know that. I didn't see that. So here's some gigs I had over my life. Uh, production assistant. God, it's miserable. If you've ever done that, God bless you. PA is like the lowest on the show business totem pole. You get people coffee. You get yelled at a bunch. You just pick up trash and you get treated like shit. It's a great job. Uh, Department of Public Safety at the University of San Francisco. I worked in a parking booth for like four years, three and a half years. I gave out parking to other students. I wore a very sexy windbreaker uh, with a cool name tag and badge. Yep. I worked at a bookstore. I worked in a cannery. I worked as a camp counselor. I worked at retail stores, two of them. I worked in cartoons. That was much later. I worked at the Girl Scouts <laughs> of Greater Los Angeles, which is one of my favorite jobs. To this day, the Girl Scouts of Greater Los Angeles was one of my favorite nine to five jobs because it was like, it was nonprofit. I think I like the nonprofit world. I think I like those kinds of people that are, they have a purpose. There really was a clear purpose. I think that's why I enjoyed it. Because it wasn't just about, well, what do we do here? Well, we make money. Well, why? It was more like, well, we help, you know, build confidence in young girls. We, these cookie sales help kids learn about money and how to, you know, sell things and have self-reliance. And I, I really like that bigger picture. So I think if you're working somewhere and you know what the bigger picture is, it really helps. Because all these other places, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Dog walker, Starbucks. I loved working at Starbucks Coffee. They had great programs. Uh, you could like own stock in the company and stuff back then. I don't know if they do that now, but I loved working at Starbucks as a barista, man. That was a great job. I was an executive assistant for a few people. I thought I wanted to work in um, as a writer for magazines, so I worked for two magazines. Um, I thought I was going to be a philosopher, so I went to graduate school for a minute and a half to do philosophy, and then I dropped out. <laughs> I dropped out of all of these things um, to do comedy. So yeah, if you have any in inclination, just follow it. And also... Over the years, I found, look at who you're jealous of. Look at what you're jealous of, too. Like, when you look at somebody, a friend of yours, who's doing something, and you go, oh, God, I wish I... I'm so jealous. It's because a part of you, I think, wants to do what that person's doing, and that can give you real clarity in terms of, like, purpose. Oh, maybe that's something I should look into. And I think a huge part of this, uh, a huge part of finding your purpose is... Uh, if once you know what it is and it's in its little infancy and it's in its tiny little embryonic 
stage, never tell anybody. I know that sounds counterintuitive, uh, but you know, your well-meaning family, friends, people closest to you might say or do things that are counter to what you would like them to say or do. (laughs) And it's because they're afraid. Fear is a huge motivator. They might be afraid for you failing, possibly. So if you, you know, hey, I want to be a writer, mom and dad. I want to go work in Hollywood, mom and dad or sister. Don't count on people being like, that's amazing. You can do it. Because a lot of times no, people won't say that to you. <laughs> people will say the exact opposite to you. You know, well, I can try that. You always got this other thing to fall back on, right? So keep it private until until it's a little more blossomed, until you've got something to show for it. And I people have asked me many, many times, how do you... How do you, you know, how did you get to be a full-time comic? How did you make the move from like a day job to that? Well, I'll tell you, personally, um, if you have a a passion that you're working on as a side project, my advice, if, please don't take my advice, but here's what I did. Get a nine to five job, a job you don't care about, a job you don't give a fuck about, a job that you clock in at nine or whatever, and at five, you clock out out and i mean clock out emotionally you clock you clock out psychologically you clock out you don't check that iphone you don't check those emails cuz you don't care so that way your mind and your energy is clear for what you want to do at night and that's really the work of your purpose stuff until you can do it full time i don't know that was what i did i had shitty day jobs so that at night i could work on the stuff i really 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 liked and I've also found in my life that discovery and purpose, it's not a straight line and it's not always the same. I know. I think sometimes people go, yeah, but I, you know, I'm this thing. I'm all, I've, I know I'm this thing and I got to just stay this thing because that, that was my purpose, right? Like, no, I think that you shift and you change over time. And part of being connected to yourself for a higher power is kind of no, witnessing when those changes come. And going, yeah, maybe this worked for me 10 years ago, but I think me moving forward is going to go in a different place. And then that's the key, I think, to meaning and purpose is to stay really cognizant of where you are at any given space. I mean, look, look at me a year ago. I would have, if someone asked me what my purpose is, it, I would have answered a completely different answer than what it is today. And I think a lot of that just comes from, like I said, adapting. The ship is going one direction and then you notice that the storm is coming or this is changing and you got to change, bros. You can't stay the same, right? You can't stay the same. There you go. All right. What else did I have for you? I write down these beautiful notes. A lot of people know the answer. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. All right. That's all I got. Hold on. Let me make sure. Okay. Oh, here's another bit of advice. So if you guys are, uh, if you're a young person or not so young person and you're pursuing a dream that other people will dream crush you, (laughs) uh, here's the thing. Yeah. Do the day job, man. Give it an easy one. Nine to five. If you can, if you know, unless you're lucky enough to have some kind of thing that frees up your time and you, you only do like on 
whenever you want those kind of gigs. Those are kind of cool too. Keep your fixed costs low, young people. I can't stress that enough. I, how many comedians have I met who uh, go, you know, I'd love to move to LA or New York, Christina, but I have a mortgage. I'm 25 years old and I have a mortgage and I have five kids. And you're like, dude, you could have deferred all that to your 30s. Because, uh, you know, the less overhead you have in the beginning of your young life, the easier it is to pursue crazy, reckless ideas of, of who and what you want to become. It does get a little bit more challenging the older you get. But fuck that. Don't let age deter you either. Because, um, look, Rodney Dangerfield hit it when he was, what, in his late 50s? And all these people, didn't Einstein have like kids? Every People have kids and lives. Don't let that shit deter you. Don't let them tell you you're too old to try new things. That's one thing I hate. I never understand why people make a big deal out of your age when you want to try new things. Like if you want to go to college and you're 50, that's actually the best time to go to college. You have way more to offer a classroom full of students than some dopey 19-year-old kid who's not lived a day in their life yet, you know? We should encourage fucking old people to just go to school. Yeah, don't buy property. <laughs> Not until you can afford it. I kept everything low rent for many, many years. Keep that rent cheap. Keep those uh, car payments low. No consumer debt. Don't become a slave to all that crap. I lived on nothing, man. I lived like a fucking animal out of my car. So funny. So that's it. I think that's it. I hope um, I hope that was an insightful talk on purpose. I, I love the subject. I think it's so it's so cool. It, it's definitely um, it's one you got to struggle. It's one everybody struggles with. Most of us, unless you're Justin Timberlake and you know what your purpose is. I know with this show and with comedy now, I, you know the purpose has changed for me. The purpose is more intrinsically valuable. It is to connect to people. Uh, to have a more meaningful exchange in the world. That's what this show is about, isn't it? I can't just fucking slang dick jokes on the weekends. It's too, it's too painful for my soul. It has to mean something. And speaking of slang and dick jokes, there is this wonderful couple that came to Cincinnati uh, to go bananas to see my husband and I do our podcast from mom's house. And they came up to me and they're like, we're huge fans of that's deep bro. <laughs> And I'm like, you had no idea what you were getting into with your mom's house, did you? Did you, you poor sons of a bitches? Because that show is vastly different than that's deep, bro. Anyway, I thought they were very cute. And um, thanks for coming out. So that's it, mommies. Um, mommies and, and bros. Hey, there we go, bros and mommies. Email me if you want to, your mom's, your mom's pocket. Can you believe this? Now I'm getting my worlds mixed up. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. I do read your emails. I appreciate them uh, tremendously. They mean the world to me. And um, I hope you guys find your purpose this week. I hope you stick to it. I hope you're brave enough to follow the inclinations, the, the inner wisdom, because uh, it's all there. You have to listen to the whispers and the signs, you know? They're little unconscious things, whatever's in there. You know how many times I was laying in bed and I would think, you need to do a philosophy podcast. You need to do a philosophy podcast. And then I would ignore that. I've been wanting to do this for like two years. And then I would talk myself out of it. I would go, yeah, but that's not straight comedy. And 
<clears throat> nobody's going to know what the fuck I'm doing and nobody likes philosophy. Nobody likes talking about this crap. Well, it turns out I was kind of wrong. So I'm glad I did it. Uh, but it took me years to kind of admit to who it is and who I am and what I wanted. So don't don't beat yourself up. That's what I do. I beat myself up. Oh, God, Mother's Day is coming up. Oh, don't you hate that holiday? Jesus Christ. Always fraught with anxiety. It's Mother's Day, right? Especially because I don't talk to mine. Oh, God, it's going to be awful. It's always awful. It's always fraught with terribleness. Here's what I'm going to do, though, this Mother's Day. Uh, my husband and I are going to go pick up a new puppy. Oh, yes. I'm going to get a new dog. One to keep my other dog company. I'm going I'm to end up being a crazy dog lady. You know, I am. I just, I'm going to be one of these women that um, you go to their house and there's there's those people that are like obsessed with one theme. Like there's like this judge in Pasadena who's obsessed with frogs and like her office is just frogs because people give them to her. I'm going to be that woman with Brussels Griffons. I love these dogs so much. I don't know what it is. These fucking Brussels Griffons. I'm going to have Brussels, you know, Hummel figurines and Brussels aprons and little Brussels themselves running around. I want 20,000 dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs so much more than I love people. Don't you agree? All right. This is getting creepy. I love you. Um, Have a great week. Go live your purpose. Go find it. Dig deep. Listen to yourself. Don't listen to other people. I mean, that's the secret. Is that the theme of all of these shows is don't listen to other people? (laughs) Myself included. Don't listen to me even. Enjoy your lives. Uh, Find purpose in them and you will enjoy them even more, I think. Okay. And uh, you know what that's been? That's been deep, bro. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye, mommies. No, bros. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. Oh, hold on, having technical difficulties here. What's going on here?